0: Where's that dust coming from?
3: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are my two probably somewhat confused co-hosts, because I know I'm a confused host, because, (laughs) yeah, things happened. How are you either, you know, first of all, we're going to go to Joe. Joe, how are you doing? Uh,
0: Probably better than both of you guys, I think. Uh, I I don't want to say it like that. That sounds weird. It's not meant to be weird. Um, No, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Feeling feeling that kindling of hope, which is weird. Hmm. Okay hope mm. that's,
3: yeah, that's what's good. that yeah i don't know
1: what, what that emotion he, is yeah hmm.
3: Uh hope is only when i'm playing mass effect i don't know what's <laughs> going on otherwise. but uh yeah also with me uh you know I, the the eic of the site liz harper liz how are you doing
1: oh uh, i'm doing pretty good i mean my head's kind of spinning from today's news and you know i just hit a point where it's like i cannot comprehend anything anymore this is just too much and uh Uh, So, yeah, this is this is fun. We're going to have a good time tonight.
3: Yeah. So uh, there's actually a fair bit of other stuff to talk about. So I'm going to, of course, spend 20 minutes talking about that stuff and and leave hanging the big thing that happened. And you can just be like, what about the big thing? I mean, to to be fair, there's a
0: there's a reason for that. Like a lot of you out there were messaging us. And I mean, I know my direct messages were blowing up today. Oh, we yeah. got a lot of stuff from you guys. We're gonna to want to give it a lot of time. We don't wanna open with it, go to other things and then come back with it. So I
3: I am going to say like really fast stuff. Um Liz, you'd you'd mentioned that the Hearthstone changes are coming in.
1: Uh yes. It's it's really just Battlegrounds. And I think Battlegrounds is a really popular gameplay mode right now. Uh Battlegrounds is getting a huge revamp that uh, the Hearthstone team has just started talking about called Battlegrounds buddies, which is a weird name. I don't know why that name makes me feel weird, but it just seems weird. It,
3: it feels like a Muppet Babies type thing. Yeah, like kind of. It's like Battleground like- buddies. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> is your um, friend.
1: <laughs> uh, but basically, the buddies system is that every hero in Battlegrounds has like a specific minion type. A specific, not a minion type. Sorry a specific minion that's kind of their buddy. And uh, while you're playing battlegrounds, there's like a meter on the side. And as you do things, you win matches, you defeat enemies, uh, you break divine shields, like little things like that will fill up this meter. And when you reach the top of the meter, you get something, you get a copy of this minion. And uh, you. so it's just kind of, and the minion is pretty powerful. Um so basically it adds to these heroes, it adds this extra dimension, because as it stands, each hero has a special hero power that they can use. And some of them are real powerful, some of them are kind of, yeah, you're okay, whatever. Um, but they don't always have a big impact on the game. And these buddy minions that each hero is going to have a unique buddy minion that's like tailored to them. And uh they look like they could be really like game-changing because. They're they're really going to shake up the game because uh, just like I, I feel like it really defines the heroes a lot more than they are now. Because sometimes you'll pick a hero and it just it doesn't even matter that you're playing this hero. It's just okay. I'm playing the game. You aren't playing a specific hero. And some heroes have a specific kind of hero power or ability that you really have to think about and play towards to do it well. And some heroes you just play whatever. And I think this is going to mean you have to think a little harder whenever you play and there's going to be a little more strategy and every hero is going to be a little more interesting and it's going to really change the game up. I think this is going to be really interesting. They have not announced every, um, everybody yet. They're kind of rolling out announcements over the next couple of days. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what everyone gets and start speculating about what the meta is going to be like moving forward. We do not know when this is coming out, but uh, mm, I'd, I'd guess either the maybe end of this month, but probably February, we'll see a patch roll out.
3: That's just a total guess on my part, though. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what ends up with that, just because it sounds to me like they've kind of taken the concept of a Tamagotchi and, and weaponized it. <laughs> uh, As you do things, your friend gets, it's more powerful. Like, it's uh, like a yeah. Tamagotchi that hits people. I, I <laughs> But... Another change thing we should talk about, uh, I think this is actually pretty cool, is the Season of Mastery for WoW Classic is about to roll out its Blackwing Lair. And Blackwing Lair in the Season of Mastery is getting significant revamps. Um, at least four bosses that we know of right now are, are getting small to medium to actually pretty big changes. Um, the first one is Vaelus, not Vaelus, Razor Gore, the Untamed i'm getting his name right right it's razor gore isn't it yeah razor gore my brain was like it's not razor gore like why isn't it razor gore but yeah uh razor gore is they're adding in a a large egg to the egg room and that egg is not destroyed when razor gore cracks eggs but when enough eggs are are destroyed by razor gore that egg hatches and an unstable chromatic drake comes out which completely changes the fight um Drops various kinds of of breath weapons on the floor that that create areas. Hence some of which are actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. S- some of them are actually like good. Like Joe, you you you've read it up, right?
0: Uh, as far as like the changes that are coming, some of it I honestly have been more focused on other endeavors in the last couple days.
3: Yeah, but since you played a shaman and and you've played a shaman forever, you you know about Earth the Earthbind Highway. and the thing is, this Earthbind Highway and is not going to work anymore. Yep, like this is going to complicate that pretty, pretty, you know, pretty significantly. Apparently, the group testing it managed to to kill it in one night. Still, they still managed to because. They, they know basically the Razorcore and it's just an it's basically like a heroic mode added to Razorcore.
0: So I mean, for for anybody that doesn't know what the Earthbind Highway is, is Shaman have a totem called Earthbind Totem. It's been around forever. It's something that actually slows mobs down. Uh, anything that's not a boss mob gets slow. Uh, and so it's been used for time immemorium in, in order to, uh, especially on boss fights and raids, take ads and make them more manageable so that they can be kited a lot easier. And back during uh, Vanilla and Burning uh, Crusade, you kind of had to do that a lot because it was essentially assumed that you would have something like that as part of your tank's kits in order for the tank to survive. So it was mm-hmm. it was an interesting thing. And now there, with this happening, there there's a lot of stuff shaking up that's making it uh, – stuff like this makes me want to play cl- uh, the, the classic, which is odd. As, uh, as a man who said I would never play classic, I'm starting to <laughs> walk back on that.
3: Yeah, the the, the fight is complicated. I, I want to get through the other three. So just this Drake, ch- you put patches on the floor. Some of them will actually help your group. Mm-hmm. Like there's flame patches. You could use those flame patches to actually kill the mobs you're kiting around because they damage, mo- they damage NPCs. Or there's a sleep patch that, again, will put them to sleep. Uh, it'll also get you, so you have to be careful and not get into it. There's one that just straight up buffs haste and attack speed. So you want to put your DPS in it. To, so if he does that breath, you want to get your people to stand in the area that it leaves on the ground. There's there's a lot to it. The Veilstras fight, um, Liz, you you edited my my ramblings when I wrote about this. It's sixty percent health, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. They've upped yeah. the health
3: the health. They bumped Veilstras up to sixty percent health, which means he's not starting close to execute range, and they've completely reworked burning adrenaline. And now the tank can get burning adrenaline,
0: yeah, that and, changes massive
3: yeah that that's that's like it and if the tank gets burning adrenaline it it becomes a stacking buff that adds like ten percent haste and ten percent uh i forget the uh, damage, I think it's just straight up damage, uh and so if the tank gets it, you can forget about threat capping at all um. The tank who has burning adrenaline is going to very rapidly because you're healing them. So the dot that that it applies, it also applies a dot. The dot that it applies, you'll be healing them. You will actually try to you probably heal them through it. You you can focus them down and heal through it. They can get up to like I think in the uh, encounter they had the 390 percent of both of both haste and damage. And so threat was not an issue anymore. It's like pulling threat off that tank was practically impossible because they had this massive buff that was in in the past with burning adrenaline. The way it worked in in classic and in vanilla is you definitely had to worry about threat. Oh Um, yeah, it was it was a huge deal. So that's like fascinating in a way that actually makes Valestra's easier. Um, So we'll see. It just depends
1: on it depends on who it hits. I mean, it's going to have a lot more randomness per fight. But it's a real interesting change. I mean, that's a diff- new dynamic.
3: They left Broodlord Lashlayer alone because I think that the suppression room is just so awful that nobody felt like it needed to be harder to get to that boss and fight that boss. Um, uh, but we, who knows? Always, they might. They might change. It could it a bit. always
1: be awfuler. I mean, yeah. there's always a new level you can reach. Uh, yeah,
3: there's Lashlayer always new below. levels
0: of, of awfulness that
3: they can. <laughs> <laughs> but Fire Maw, who is the boss directly after Lashlayer? Um, Fire Maw is interesting because Fire Maw is basically the same, except they added two things. One is a lightning shield. So every time you hit him, you take lightning damage.
0: That's a debuff, a stacking debuff, isn't it?
3: Oh, no, that's the different thing. Anytime you take damage in this fight, anytime anyone takes any damage... You get a stack of a of a de- a debuff, and when it cranks up to ten, I believe you you start chain lightning everyone around you.
0: You yeah, have a ten to fifteen yard range or something yeah. like that. Yeah,
3: yeah. So as one, I think the person on Wowhead when I was first reading it up basically said, "Yeah, this this is basically means that you should try to bring no melee to this fight." <laughs> like this is, and it's not like like Blackwing needed that because it was already pretty pretty aggressively anti melee, but this is like, yeah, you, you're not going to want because because Here's the other thing, that debuff, it it ticks for one when you take damage if no one's within 15 yards of you, but if someone's within 15 yards of you, you get three stacks when you take damage, which means it goes up and once it goes off, you will damage everybody around you within 15 feet, meaning that you'll all get three stacks of the debuff immediately upon you doing damage. So very quickly, this, this will ramp up. I think one of the comments was, you know, then you'll notice you're dead because this thing takes just, it, it becomes catastrophic very quickly. If you are not managing, if if people are not taking that seriously, everybody going to die.
0: And think about it this way too. Like for those of you that are like, maybe didn't play back then or haven't really played classic, certain spells didn't exist yet for dealing with a lot of like stuff like this. Like when Matt's saying, people are saying, don't bring melee. It makes sense. There is no healing rain. There is no, uh, you know shield totem there's nothing like that um it's a lot of like direct healing at that point i think the only smart heal available was uh chain uh chain heal which even that's only three targets with a huge yeah, drop heals, off back
3: then chain heals not going to be able to keep up with this no there's no a, it
0: is it is going to be very very rough the
3: best the best way to heal this would be a to get everyone spaced out so that they're not getting three stacks of this thing, and they're not chaining anybody when it goes off, and two, uh, prevent them from taking damage in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So shields are going to be useful. Yep. But nobody's going to have enough shields to shield forty people.
0: I could see them doing a rotation thing with this, like where like people get to a certain point and they have to go to a, a different spot in the raid and like trigger it so that it goes off and then come back in. Like I could see that happening because that's that's similar to like something we used to do back in like Next Nexramus uh, forty. Uh, we used to have to do stuff like that for some of the bosses uh yeah. so I, I could see something like that being a thing where you actively manage your your debuff stacks in order to get through the fight
3: but i've saved the worst for last as did they because chromagus oh my word <laughs> that's not going to be i don't even know how you're supposed to do chromagus he has
0: he's mouths all over now that's what he is
3: yeah he's just yeah he's just first off Um, of the changes chromagus used to have a a bunch of different breaths of which he would do two, and it would be randomly set when you first started the raid and then it would continue for the week so you'd have to figure out what chromagus was going to do Mm -hmm. and then you'd plan for it that's not a problem anymore because now he just does all of them good news everybody
0: more breath
3: (laughs) (laughs) but you're thinking okay that's pretty bad but I remember when we did Chromagus, we would pull him to the doorway so we, so we could use him. the walls to line a sight. You know that doesn't work anymore. Three hundred sixty degrees. His breath <laughs> weapon is a three hundred sixty <laughs> degree area around him, and it is not blocked by anything. You could, if you even dragged him into the other uh, room and had literally the whole raid. No, you can't line a sight except for one thing. I know we're uh,
0: yeah, there. yeah. I was gonna say there is one thing. Yeah,
3: there is one thing. As each of his breath weapons afflicts a different uh, brood affliction. One of those brute afflictions is the is the blue brute affliction. affliction. I'm saying affliction. Gee. The <laughs> the blue the brute affliction for blue. When you cleanse it, will mm-hmm. drop a ice block in the area that you were standing when you got cleansed. That ice block is the only thing that can line of sight breaths. But remember, the breath weapons are random, so you might not get a lot of blue, and thus not a lot of of brute affliction blue. And that would mean you'd need to rotate decleansing, cleansing mm-hmm. this yeah. debuff so that you you have a guaranteed ice block coming up for the next breath. But you might have to just let somebody have that debuff and heal them through it until you are ready because the ice block does not last very long.
0: I actually really like this. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, You guys are talking I about mean, it like it's awful. This is really cool
3: to me. <laughs> It's not. I mean, awful. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool, but it is going to be hard. It's going to be hard enough that this this raid did not finish it the first night. They had to come back.
0: Do you know the reason I like this? And I'm just going to throw it out there is because this reminds me of taking mechanics that you and and things that raids were starting to do in AQ40 and Naxxramas 40, which were arguably uh, and rightfully so the hardest tier of rating for just the sheer number of mechanics and things you had to manage with what your restrictions that you had for your class or class makeup and and raid makeup. It's starting to take those and trying to port them forward. And I kind of really like that because it's, it's almost like paying homage to the, the later stuff And saying, what if you had to do this with Blackwing Lair? What if you had to do this with the earlier stuff? And it's almost taking a different design approach to these encounters and saying, what can we do in that same vein? Because it still feels like as, as out there as it is, it doesn't feel like they're taking stuff from, let's say, Battle for Azeroth Legion or Shadowlands and trying to cram it into warcraft classic right they're staying within the framework of what was acceptable or what was expected at high end raiding back then and putting it on other fights and looking at some older encounters that were designed maybe before that higher end uh design was starting to really take shape because let's be honest raiding back in in warcraft vanilla was a mixed bag it was all over the place you had small raids you had uh, big raids, you had different mechanics, you had different requirements that you needed to do for each one of them. Each one was its own self-contained thing for, them, for most of the the events. This is what if the design elements were more congruous, and I kind of really like that. Sorry, right. my well, two cents. However,
3: as somebody who had to tank this thing back in the day, I'm weeping thinking about trying to do this. <laughs> I had, I had like, to heal
0: this oh. back in the day, man. I'm with you, but yeah. I mean, I, I'm, if there's a classic guild there that wants a healer to go for this, all right, hit me up. I'm, I'm in. I'm down
3: but so we that's that's the changes to the blackwing layer that we know about there might be more they might do one for every single fight we don't know yet uh we know that those four were up for testing and they they apparently do increase the challenge i mean people were still clearing them because i mean the people who tend to be on the ptr doing testing tend to know what they're doing especially for wild classic so i'm not It's not going to, I don't think it's going to be too egregious or slow things down too much. Although that Chromagus fight, some guilds are going to really get unhappy on that. Oh, that's going to be, that's going to be
0: a breaker. That's going to be a breaker for those who are not prepared. Yeah.
3: But yeah, those are, that's what's going on with that. Um, I want to mention that the, uh, the reputation thing that's in this email, the, uh, the infinite augment rune, uh, type thing that we're going to get from the new reputation we in should, patch 9.2
1: we should yeah we should note this as well patch 9.2 we've jumped away from classic
3: yeah we're now back into the, the retail game I, I modern really, day we're, we're yeah, talking yeah. about PTR
0: stuff and stuff that's being data mined for patch 9.2
3: uh, but do either of you want to talk about it because quite frankly uh, I'm still not entirely sure what's going on with it because it didn't make sense to me reading it I
0: uh, yeah wow. I can t- I can kind of take a little bit of point and Liz if you want to jump in feel free but like essentially what it boils down to is there's sort of a return to the idea of reputation mattering, but mattering in a um, material way that actually aids the player, not necessarily one that is like 100% required, but like with the Enlightened, you get access to a bunch of really cool stuff, whether it's crafters marks that let you uh, increase crafted items, uh, or like we're talking about the infinite augment room, you're actually starting to get access to items that are useful to you through reputation instead of just here's a teleport from Venari's uh hideaway, right? It it's it's fascinating because it seems like it's trying to find that balance between back in the days where you had to rep grind everything to you know be any sort of success or make any sort of movement to uh where it was where reputation was largely useless for a while. So, I mean, what do you think about what what's there Liz?
2: Um,
1: I mean, I I'm totally going to get the uh eternal Augment room because you Those are wanna, just always useful.
0: You don't want to hear Those our hunter- Those are always useful. You don't want to hear our hunter officer have to say it every single time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they're just, these are never not useful. You can play the game for, well, at least so far they haven't disabled the old one. So it mm-hmm. doesn't, you can just always go through and play and get a little value out of this thing. Um, and of course, you'll also be getting the new legendary item from mm-hmm. this uh, from this reputation which um your second legendary in uh, in Shadowlands is going to be the class legendary uh, which you can buy it from these guys at revered reputation and revered. Uh, yeah revered you know words yeah, it's not like we're <laughs> professional word users over here Hey listen I got made um, fun of the
0: other day in raid for uh for my pronunciation of a certain thing I uh, we're good
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna point out that a lot of times I don't I don't speak these words. I just read them. Same thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but I, th- I think the uh, legendary is going to be really interesting. And this one you can just buy from them. You can also buy the memory and craft it on whatever you want. But you can buy this legendary as a belt, mm-hmm. and it's your covenant power. I mean, that's the only second legendary you can have is the one with your covenant power on it. But I think it's going to be really neat to be able to get those and to go and get those with reputation instead of having to do all of this crap with crafting. But it is a revered reputation, which is going to take a while. I think the math I've seen so far is 28 days mm-hmm. of doing whatever your tasks are out there. But I think that's going to be interest- interesting, and it's nice to be able to get something that powerful without having to like go to the auction house and spend a couple hundred thousand gold or whatever it goes through goes for on your realm to buy the to buy the base item, to buy the missives, to attach to it, to get all of these things so you can make this item. Um, so it's nice that these are just on a vendor. That's just, I, I think that's really nice, really convenient.
0: And there's also like for those that maybe don't care about that per se, like maybe you're not doing raiding, you don't care about legendaries. Uh, there's two different mounts that you can get from it as well, as well as uh, a new hearthstone item, which I actually really think has been very cool. This expansion, uh, the different type of hearthstones that you can get that give you a different sort of flair when you use them. Uh, so there's something, there's something for everybody in it. And I think that's, it's neat. It's, it's neat having sort of that useful power level and then having fun stuff in there as well, because I don't know about you guys. I... Could really care less about the Covenant reputation rewards that we got. And a lot of them were just kind of there. So, there's like,
1: Transmog. I care about Transmog. That's I, it. Yeah,
3: I, that's pretty much what, what I was doing the whole time. Transmog. Yeah. Eh, that's I right. on it. I think at this point, guys, we have talked about everything else as much as we can. Uh, so we kind of uh, have to no, move on uh, to talking about. Oh, what's up? What's coming? <laughs> there's something else. There's something I, else. I did.
1: I did. Uh, Uh, I did add a thing, which is that burning crusade classic phase three went live this week. And, uh, that is going to include two really big raids from burning crusade battle for Mount Hyjal and black temple. Um, Uh, the raids will go live on January 27th. And I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how this plays out, how long it takes people to get through them, because those are just such iconic raids. Uh, and yeah. In general, I just have a lot of great memories of Burning Crusade. So
3: I'm interested uh, in hearing how many paladins realize that they're going to get their shields to break every single time they do Hyjal, because <laughs> y'all they're going to try and soak up all the trash, and your shields are going to break. It's it happened every time we did Hyjal. It's the paladin tanks be like, my shield's broken because someone put down a thing, and be like, uh no, no one, no one here has that because engineering was considered pretty bad. Um, so yeah yeah it, it it's it's going to be interesting to see what people do in hygel and black temple black temple is still to this day i think black temple is one of my favorite raids um despite having some really weird stuff like they've they've taken out the i i there's no polite way to say what my guild called illidan's chamber thing you, you know what i'm talking about um the, the the officer at the time, and I remember what she said very clearly. She's like, "Do we have to go to Illidan's Skanky hideout?" Um, and yep. would be like, "Yeah, we we do have to go to Illidan Skanky hideout." At least they've put in more, more Skanky dudes to to equalize it to some degree, <laughs> balance it out. Yeah, uh, bisexual representation. You know, speaking as a bisexual person, I'm I'm happy for that. But yeah. it... Black Temple is still one of my favorite raids. Some of the fights in that are really fascinating to me um, in terms of the stuff Joe was talking about, the development of fights from, and how they changed from expansion to expansion. I feel like Black Temple, more so than even Sunwell, Black Temple is exactly the distillation of what mm-hmm, Burning mm-hmm. Crusade raid fights were getting to be. And then Sunwell comes along and is like, yeah, we made druids too good. Here's a massive debuff to druid tanking. Um, Sunwell Radiance, it's only gonna, it's really gonna mess up your druids. Hope you didn't invest everything in druids. We did. <laughs> why, why are you doing this to us? We did. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, I remember so, those days. But yeah, is there anything else before we jump into the thing, Liz?
1: Uh, well, 6k in chat was saying that we should talk about <laughs> Diablo 2 patch 2.4, but uh, actually, you know, you know maybe what?
3: I can, I can get through that really fast. Um,
1: no, see, 6k, this is this is your fault. You brought it up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, I'm sure he's fine. Uh, basically, the, the interesting thing for today's news is is we were, you know, we were talking before, like, we don't really know when patch 2.4 is going to be coming out. Uh, but we do know what's going to be basically in it, except we kind of didn't really realize what was basically going to be in it. Because just today, we we had already found out about the unbending will rune word, which is a six rune rune word that you can basically only get on a sword. Uh, which makes it basically a sword barbarian rune because it's very much patterned after and designed for uh, barbarians, and it, it's a good rune. I, I really do think of it. But you're basically only going to see it on, on Colossus blades, the big two-handed weapons that mm-hmm. barbarians use in Diablo 2. because it is a six rune rune word, and you you need six sockets to put this thing on. But then today we also found out about two more. Uh, the the I want to say mist and and Ra- and wrath, but I'm not sure if it's mist and wrath or mist and will. I can't remember what they are because they just literally just came out today. And there are two more new ones that have never been in the game before. And in addition to that, that's coming uh, in 2.4. We're going to see rune words that technically existed in the game files, but which were never implemented. Uh, I think poison and plague, and those are both getting introduced as well. Um, they will actually be playable. They were never playable. They were in the files, but they, they were never in the game before. That's coming in 2.4. That's just one of the things coming in 2.4. They're reworking Mercenaries. Uh, they're doing a complete character, you know class balance patch. And they're bringing in the ladder uh, and introducing the ladder. I honestly think this is going to be a really extensive patch. Um, it's It's a big undertaking for a game that has basically not seen any real updates in 10 years.
0: It's really cool, though. It's really cool that it's getting love and attention, especially because oh, yeah. like Diablo 2 is one of those games where like we, we've talked about this before. Like there's so many things that they could have done that they didn't like or shortcuts that they had to take because of limitations of the technology at the time. And it's like this is another case of, hey, we have this technology now. We are caught up. Maybe we could do something with this. And I, I really like seeing that. I think that's really, really cool.
3: One of the things that I always reminded of is the the reason that this game had such a difficult time on launch was because the original authentication authentication and login servers were routed through a specific old Battlenet server mm-hmm. and they and they they were just not designed for twenty twenty one slash twenty twenty two levels of people playing it. And that's why everything was going haywire. And they they had to basically cobble together a solution because this game is running on the original code. The entirety of Diablo 2 Resurrected is running on the original code from Diablo 2. They didn't remake that code. They didn't redesign a new engine for the game. They just improved it. And that's the kind of thing that nobody saw coming because it didn't really come up in playtesting. Because playtesting doesn't put in like, you know, 12 million people at once. And that's kind of fascinating to me to see how they're approaching revamping the game. Because the pitfalls of a lot of stuff, like those original rune words that didn't get into the game... Are solvable now, mm-hmm. and they weren't necessarily solvable before. So, I am interested in seeing what happens with patch 2.4. I my call is that I think it's going to come out in April.
0: I I think you're right. On, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh,
3: I think I wrote that's what I wrote when I wrote our post about when it's coming out is that it's going to come out in April yeah. because I expect three to four months. I think that they keep saying the, these uh, that the latter seasons are going to last three to four months because that's what they intend for the delay here. And then they're going to just roll it out that way every time. I don't know if they'll actually end up sticking to that because you know who knows. But I do think that we're going to see it in February, uh, mid-February, I think. And then it's going to last. The PTR testing is going to last two months, and we're going to see an April rollout. I'm but, I'm not sure it'll take that long to get the PTR. I think it might be. Eh, we you, will see. Yeah, we'll see. I I'm I'm sticking with April just because I think that's it gives them time to respond to anything that they did not foresee yeah. happening. Yeah, um, but regardless of that, yeah, 2.4 looks to be really interesting. It is. It is a significant patch for Diablo. It's going to change a lot of things. It's going to make th- looking at the rune words. If if the rune words are all like unbending will, they're all going to be aimed at low end game, like end game, but not hell difficulty end game. And so they're basically going to allow you to try builds you would not normally try. Like this rune word does not boost up your your attack speed by a huge margin, so it's not a good whirlwind rune, but it is for almost any other barbarian build you want to name, it would be good for. And it's even okay for Whirlwind because it just adds so much to the character. It's a six rune, you know, it's a six rune rune word. Of course it's gonna add a lot. Yeah, I'm interested. I I am waiting to see what happens with this. This this is a level of development that I was not expecting for a remaster. I'll just be up front.
0: Agreed. After what they've shown us with some of the other remasters, this is this is refreshing to see. Honestly, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, this is great. Really looking forward to this one. I'm also looking forward to the inevitable Warcraft Three Reforged uh, patch where they add a bunch of new stuff. (laughs) This is a joke.
0: You you joke, but that's that's something that might happen. That's something that would be
3: something I would like to see happen. Yeah, but let's talk about why we're going to be speculating about weird stuff that might happen because this morning around 5:30 a.m. my time. As I was messing around, uh, I don't even know what I was doing. I think I was actually like logging into Mass Effect to see where I'd been when I logged out. Um, Anna in Work Chat was like, "Hey, everybody, g- get on!" Someone write this, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "What? What? What could be so important?" And I go over and I look. What, and what are they Yeah. What are they announcing at 5:30 in the morning? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And the the answer is Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was kind of all of our responses. Yeah.
3: Like,
0: what? what? Not, what? not what? unexpected, though, actually.
3: Um, I'm going to say this, Joe. Maybe not to someone like you who's really attuned to like how stuff works in in corporate um, tech. But to someone like me, it was unexpected. I did not see it coming. I I get why it happened. I get what's going on here. It's not like a... I don't freak out, but I absolutely did not expect this. So... I'm going to let, I'm going to throw this over to you for a sec explain why you weren't surprised or at least, you know, you were like, Oh, okay.
0: So this, this actually makes a lot of sense, mostly because there's, there's a bunch of like, I don't want to say like insider knowledge or things like that. There's a lot of like rumors going around about who actually likes you at sea level. As far as like executives go between different game companies. Uh, you hear a lot of it if, if you're listening to the right people, um, and there was this thing where people weren't exactly on this idea that Phil Spencer likes Bobby Kodak. Um, and when everything started happening with ABK and Phil Spencer was one of the several CEOs that were asked about what they felt about it, he was very, you know, down about it, but didn't say anything overtly harsh. And it was a little telling. Because you don't do that if you are in the middle of negotiations and trying to get the board of directors to buy into a sale. Because I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is like some people are reacting to this today. And I got a lot of like texts and direct messages about, "Did you see what just happened? It's like, this isn't something that just happened. It just got announced. The truth is, this is something that's probably been working in the background for about 12 to 18 months. Um, I would not be surprised. And a lot of that, you can't move forward and you can't do anything if the board of directors doesn't buy into the buyout. And if you talk trash about the company outwardly, they can say, OK, we're not going to accept your sale. We're not going to take your offer. And then the the deal falls apart. And then even then, the length of the contract, the contract's not finalized. Yet. They really can't say anything open and, and overtly. So like when we were talking about this before, when like. Oh, yeah. You know, Phil Spencer was saying we're gonna have to see what happens and and evaluate our relationship. That's why he was being so like middle of the road about it. And it, as soon as I heard this, everything snapped into place. Like it was like, OK, this makes sense. Uh, and also for the strife that the company has been having, not because of not getting product out the door. As a matter of fact, I believe you're the one that brought it up. Might have been Matt. It might have been Liz. A couple weeks ago when we talked about the earnings call, when like they were making money, they were still making profit, like good profit. Oh, yeah. Right. So oh, they're not yeah. they're not hurting. Their stock was hurting because of the public perception. But it wasn't because Diablo four wasn't out. It wasn't because Overwatch two got delayed. because they were still making money hand over fist. And you don't sell a company that's still that profitable unless you have very good reason. And they have very good reason. The board of directors probably wants a buyout because they want out. But they want something for it. Right. And then people are asking, well, why didn't the board of directors get rid of Bobby Kotick? Because a lot of C-level suites, a lot of board of directors would get rid of somebody like that almost immediately and just take the loss from whatever their parachute was. You can't do that if you're in the middle of contract negotiations, because let's say you're in the middle of a contract negotiation to purchase a company and one of the C-level executives is causing, let's say, a lawsuit. Hey, look at that fantasy scenario here. If That person has been involved in the contracts and is part and parcel with it for, let's say, six months of negotiation up to that point. If that person gets removed, all of that six months of work is gone. You have to start from scratch, which now delays the timeline from what could have been, in this case, probably 24 months, since we're looking at another 18 months before this finishes, from 24 months to probably 36 months. And that's, in corporate speak, that's an eternity, when it comes to stuff like this. So there there are a lot of red flags that ma- that now make sense once this was announced of yeah okay this under this makes sense and honestly it's a perfect pickup for Microsoft. So Oh yeah. Like I will I have a lot more to say so I'm going to let you guys talk so please go ahead. I, I have more.
1: Uh, I mean the the thing that worries me about this is basically that there is In the community, there's a ton of focus on Bobby Kotick. There's a ton of focus on getting rid of Bobby Mm Kotick. And I've got to say, Bobby Kotick is a bad guy. He's bad things running Blizzard. He's the best paid CEO in gaming. And it's just, no, no, no one likes this guy. He makes more money than anyone while underpaying and mistreating employees. No one likes this guy. He's terrible. He should get out. But at the same time, all of Blizzard's problems are not caused by Bobby Kotick.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: in fact, Blizzard's problems started way, way before Bobby Kotick.
0: Before Activision.
1: Everything. Yes, everything. All of this sexual harassment, this discrimination, this underpaying, this mistreatment. This is Mike Warham. This is Chris Madsen. Those were the people running Blizzard when this was happening. They were ignoring it. They were pushing it under the rug. They may have been actively encouraging it. We don't know. Or
0: or even in the best case scenario, they, they were ignorant of it at best, at best, and that's still not good.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you ignore harassment, if you ignore mistreatment, if you stay quiet in those situations, you are helping the abusers. So everyone in charge of Blizzard back in those classic days, you know, the days we have so much nostalgia for. You know, people still talk about Chris Metzen like he's a superstar. And it's just like all of this happened on their watch. This is not Bobby Kotick's fault. This goes back so much farther than Bobby Kotick. And we're all like, yeah, we're going to get Bobby Kotick fired. And it's like, okay, that's great. But you're forgetting that these are like long-seated problems within Blizzard. These are problems that have roots going back decades The problem is not entirely Bobby Kodak.
3: No, I mean, this is not to diminish what Kodak actually did do.
1: Yeah. Which is
3: absolutely, you know, both in terms of the lawsuits and just in general as CEO, Bobby Kodak has not been a positive force. But you're absolutely right that this is something that predates it. It doesn't just predate it. It's not even just limited to Blizzard. It's not even just limited to Activision Blizzard. It's endemic in the industry. And Microsoft has not been like some beacon of purity. Oh, no. Like, let's not pretend that this no. is not the company that got sued by the federal government for its workplace problems. Um,
0: and Union Busted as recently times. as 2016.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, there are plenty of scandals and plenty of skeletons in Microsoft's closet. This I, No one should pretend that they're a white knight riding in to save the day. That is not the case. They're buying... Activision Blizzard because Activision Blizzard is one of the biggest game publishers in the world and by buying them they have sewn up exclusivity on a host of games that they won't they won't immediately go exclusive that's not how this works you might but get a timed exclusive of, but think about what this does for Game Pass if you have Microsoft Game Pass or Xbox Game Pass right now think about they just added the Skylanders series they added the original Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, the Tony Hawk games. You know, they, this is not just Blizzard. We're talking about this is Call of Duty, this is Candy Crush. Mm-hmm. This this is a massive purchase. It is currently valued a bunch of the
0: old Marvel games too. Don't forget too with Activision.
3: Yeah. Well, they won't. Certain games have have expired yes. licenses and so forth. But we're talking sixty eight million dollar, sixty eight billion dollar acquisition here. Um which is getting you a company that is currently valued at twenty eight billion, which is like saying, "Oh my God, why is it getting so much more than that?" But it's because of the future here. All these these franchises. Think about the Zenimax purchase or the Obsidian purchase that Microsoft went through. With. Mm-hmm. In the in the past two years, Microsoft has gone from the company that's always lagging behind Sony on console exclusivity to the company that now absolutely dwarfs Sony on console exclusivity. And at that point, they're, they're actually moving beyond console. With, with, with the PC Game Pass that they have, they are now taking real strides into PC gaming domination. There's- they are going to have a massive footprint. Game Pass is going to change the way you play games. They said that back in 2018, and we all thought that it was hyperbole. I want to build off
0: that real quick. There's Go for spec- it. there's speculation that's been going on in the tech industry for a while. If you follow anything that deals that deals with consoles or Microsoft, and it was mentioned in work chat today, but the discussion about this started way, way, way before, as recently as just a couple of years ago when the new Xbox was announced. Every iteration of the console is moving closer and closer and closer to a small form factor PC box. And everything that they're doing is cross-play between the two, right? So, like, if you have a Windows 10 computer, congratulations, you have an Xbox. All of the peripherals work with it. There are literally applications built into the same framework, and it is still a Windows 10 OS that 100% runs that box, right? So, in the next couple of years, we might actually see Microsoft do something even more than just console exclusivity. What if that console isn't a console anymore, but is a more wider spread, much more available unit that isn't highly specialized like consoles are right now and like consoles are that are in a drought? You can't get them. It is hell to get the current generation, even now. And it's been two years. What if you didn't have to worry about that anymore? What if you start moving towards that, and then you didn't have to worry about buying individual games You literally just pay a game pass and can play both. You can play on the console on your TV. You can play on your PC. You don't have to keep rebuying the game over and over and over again. They are absolutely poised to shift how this works. Somebody said, and I think it might have been Anna in in chat, said that they're they're poisoning themselves to be the Netflix of gaming. That is 100% accurate.
3: I want you to think back to stuff like Stadia or the Steam Box or Luna those, from uh, yeah, Amazon. Those attempts to do exactly what Microsoft is on the verge of doing with this. This is why they spent 70 billion dollars on Activision Blizzard. Not because Activision Blizzard is worth 70 billion. The most optimistic estimate is 40 billion. The reason they're doing this is because in one moment, one purchase, they have changed the entire field and given themselves a library so deep do you remember when Fox sold Fox essentially yeah. to Disney,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and then suddenly Disney now had a uh, had a library so deep that they could run their own streaming service? And
0: not only and- just run their own streaming service, they're still they're still transcribing things to put out there because they have that much backlog.
3: Yeah, that's what this move is like for Game Pass. It it is a enormous. I think does everybody here has some form of Game Pass, right?
0: Yeah. I have the Ultimate for the PC.
3: Liz, you have it for Xbox or for the PC? Xbox. Yeah, would you say you've used Game Pass in the past month? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was using I it five it.
0: minutes before we we were recording.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've gotten like I got Octopath Traveler and uh, Dead Fire and a lot of other stuff from Game Pass. Uh, Joe pointed out during the pre-show that that Mass Effect Legendary Edition is now on uh, Game Pass. Now imagine if you've never played Overwatch. Overwatch is going to be on Game Pass. Well, you know, you're looking at whether or not it's exclusive. I can't tell you, but it's going to be on Game Pass. It's absolutely going to be. I mean, Overwatch isn't just one example. Like, look at Diablo 4 when it comes out. Here's You know Diablo 4 is going to be on Game Pass. It's going to be Game Pass day one.
0: But here's the importance of that, though. And a lot of people out there may not realize this. And, and we were talking about this in work chat. Now that I'm more awake and I've actually gotten some sleep, I can be a little more coherent about this. Game Pass does something that that nothing else does right now. Not Steam, not Epic, nothing like that. If you want to try a game on Steam, you have to buy it. Mm-hmm. And you have two hours and two weeks to return it if you don't want it. If you do that with Epic, they don't think they have a return policy right now. If they do, I think it's very difficult. Um,
3: GOG doesn't have one.
0: Yeah, uh, Green Man Gaming doesn't have one either. The The importance of this is for the value of what is essentially an MMO subscription $15 a month roughly you can try any game from in an insane number of studios and take chances on stuff that you think might look neat but you don't want to actually you know go ahead and spend 30 40 50 bucks on and then not be able to return it how many games have you bought on steam and i'm using you as the the overall term that you bought played didn't like didn't return it, and now you're stuck with it and you're out of that money. Game Pass eliminates that problem. It lets you try things you wouldn't normally. It also operates as a place where independent games can flourish because they often get overlooked. They don't get pushed on Steam anymore. They don't really get pushed on Epic. It's really hard to get word of mouth out there unless you are really tuned into certain YouTube channels or content creators uh, out there that, that maybe are super into indies and that number is dwindling, Game Pass literally shoves them in your face. Hey, we just added this game. Go check it out. Like,
3: Yeah, like I think you've talked before about Dead
0: Cells, right? Dead Cells, one of my favorite games. I've been playing it since early access. Absolutely adore it.
3: It's on Game Pass.
0: It's on Game Pass. That's Play. how I
3: heard of it. I was actually playing Legacy of the Dead Gods on Game Pass, Yeah, and there was a promotion between Legacy of the Dead Gods and Dead Cells. And,
0: and Blasphemy, and Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. and... Uh, oh, there was a bunch of others, and I'm going to forget them, and I'm sorry out there. I'm sorry, Motion <laughs> Twin. I really am. But all these the cross promotion between we talked about it last week, I think actually, it maybe two weeks ago, maybe sure. something like that. It's been it's been a wild couple weeks, folks. It's really really good. Now now think about this from terms of Blizzard games, right? Overwatch two comes out. You're not sure if you want to play it, but you already have Game Pass. You can try it. You don't have to spend $40, $50, 60 bucks, and then worry about if you can return the game or not. Diablo 4, maybe you've never played a Diablo game in your entire life and you want to give it a shot, but you don't want to buy Diablo 3, it's outdated, you don't want to buy Diablo 2, even the remaster, but you can maybe try this. And these games, will Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 will likely wind up on Game Pass if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, absolutely. That would be my guess. But you can try it, and if you don't like it, you're not out of anything. But if you do like it, there you go, you're in the ecosystem and you keep giving them money. It's It's a return on value. It's what would a company rather have? Would you rather have 5 million people paying $15 a month to try these games or 1 million people buying the game at 40, 50, 60 bucks when it releases? It There's a balancing act there and Microsoft is finding that balance and really pushing it.
3: it yeah, it, and the thing is too, when, when we talk about this kind of stuff, I want to make it clear that we've seen the industry trying to figure out a, a, a sustainable model going forward for games as a service. And Microsoft seems to be the only company that's figured out games as a service literally should mean a service that yes. lets you play games.
0: Yes, and this is the first time we're starting to see that.
3: Yeah, I mean, they've been trying to do this for like well over a decade now.
0: But but you got, it's the buy-in. It's getting companies to buy into it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No,
3: absolutely. Uh, I think at this point though, we got to try to do at least a couple of questions. <laughs> And we have talked a lot, so I'm going to just throw it straight over to if you've got a question for the show, um, you can use our podcast email, which is podcast at blizzardwatch.com, subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for this show, um, or you can go to our Discord, I believe Joe got a lot of questions from Discord this week, because Joe had to do the email, because I have blood squid um, going on in my eye, but uh, you can go to our Discord server. There's the patron Q and podcast questions channel for patrons because, you know, you guys keep the site going. And then there's the Q questions channel because we do understand that not everybody can afford to support us and they still want to interact and we want to interact with them. But I'm going to throw this over to Liz to read the first question.
1: Uh, yes, this one is from Patreon supporter Roxy for the podcast. Can they fire Bobby? That's it. That's the question. Um. And we've we've actually gotten a lot of mixed messaging about this today. Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of headlines that say, Bobby Kotick leaving. And I've seen a lot of people celebrating, oh, we got rid of Bobby Kotick. And it's like, we may have gotten rid of Bobby Kotick when the deal closes summer 2023.
3: Yeah. You you yourself pointed out that that a lot of the discussion of these issues is focusing too heavily on Bobby. Yeah, I do think it is. Yeah. No, I just, I think that that needs to be reemphasized that you're absolutely right about that. If Bobby Kotick leaves, is it good? Yes. Yes, it's good. However, um, Liz, you pointed this out. I want, maybe you could talk about it. He's going to make a ton of money off of this.
1: Yeah, he's going to make just a mountain of money. He's going to like have a room full of gold coins like Scrooge McDuck that he can swim in. He's going to be ridiculously, ridiculously wealthy and he's already ridiculously wealthy.
0: I think this last evaluation is if he leaves at the, at the end of the contract or when the 2023 happens, if he leaves at all, I think his evaluation comes to $8 billion. Mm-hmm.
3: Like $8 uh, billion, he owns dollars, a, lot a
0: single stock. person.
3: Yeah, he owns a lot of stock. Um, That's one of the reasons he's in control of the company.
0: The, the only thing that I want to add in here real quick because of this question is we're not going to know until it happens. And you're going to hear a lot of speculation and you're going to hear – a lot of non-answers from every executive involved in this and every company involved in this because they literally legally cannot talk about it. They cannot talk about what the actual plans are. They can't talk about any of that because technically that considers uh, informing insider trading. Uh, and not only that, but it might invalidate several of the contracts that are in play. You're going to get a lot of half answers. Don't speculate. Don't, don't buy into it. And do we want him gone? Yes. Is he the only problem? No. No. Uh, but we're not even going to know if he's gone until it's done, once the ink is dry and the dust has settled. So we're going to have to wait it out, but we can hope.
1: I do want to say that the Wall Street Journal did report that yes. sources close to the issue say that Bobby is leaving after the deal closes, and, uh, and Bobby also the himself end of his contract. denied that's, this. That's the
0: end of his yes. contract. If you notice, the deal closes yeah. at the, on the date of his end of contract.
1: Really? Hmm. Yes.
0: Mm. His contract um, ends in summer of 2023
1: uh-huh well i mean so yeah told we you i've been be digging today bobby. <laughs> we may be getting rid of bobby but it's going to be a year and a half before it happens and we are very unlikely to get any kind of statement on yeah. it before it happens yeah. i think we're like zero percent maybe zero point zero 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 one percent gonna hear anything about it until yeah. it happens
3: yeah all right uh joe Can you do the next question, please?
0: Cool. I was hoping for this one because I have, this is where a lot of my stuff actually has to come into play. Uh, This is from Patreon supporter Zool. Uh, For anyone then, well, we took it for here. Ha! Uh, What will the acquisition by Microsoft mean for World of Warcraft and all of Blizzard's other games? This is another we don't know yet because we can't actually know until, again, the ink settles. There's Mm -hmm. a certain thing that happens during this time of, of acquisition where there's a... Um, the actual term for it might be different in the gaming industry, but there's, uh, you have to bring up what's called a uh, production process plan. And so you have to present what you plan to do with the current structure moving forward for monetization to present to your shareholders. It sounds a lot more complicated. It's basically, they just have to write out what they want to do and put it into the contract. That's part of the end of this. Now, what I will say is if we can start making maybe some educated guesses – Based off of what we've seen Microsoft already do. And to keep in mind, Microsoft, the corporation, is the big daddy umbrella. Microsoft gaming is a separate entity underneath it. And that's where this is going. It's it's Microsoft gaming, right? They have bought, we'll use Bethesda and all these other uh, 343 and a whole bunch of other Zenimax. companies. We can use NMX. They're letting them do something that a lot of companies don't do during an acquisition. They're letting those companies largely operate independently and stick to their own schedules. What is that going to mean for Blizzard? I don't know yet. What I want it to mean is we might potentially, and this is where my glimmer of hope from earlier comes into, start getting something where it's not about churning out a new product every year. We go back to it's done when it's done. And they are left to to operate independently as far as production goes, as long as the money is still there, as long as they still report up through, in this case, Phil Spencer, and they still meet all of their requirements from the legality of the contract. We might actually get better games as a result of this because they're not going to be sitting there with a large board of directors saying you need to do this every three months or do this every three months or why aren't you doing this? Or, you need to pivot to this. There's potential there. There's also potential for danger. We don't know. They could get their hands in and say, everything's been going sideways for too long. We're taking direct control. It can go either way. But for those of you that are worried, and I've seen a lot of comments about this, and I actually got pinged about this a lot, does this mean that World of Warcraft is going to change? Maybe. Not very likely. Does this mean that Diablo is going to change? Maybe. Not very likely. At least as far as, like, for the bad. It's not going to be like Master Chief shows up and, like, shoots Sylvanas. You're not going (laughs) to see anything like that.
3: Um, I have to say though, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this please. is a joke for me and Liz. At this point, when he said that, all I could hear was imagining Phil Spencer walking in his room, going, "Assuming control." <laughs> <laughs> but he, I am the harbinger of your ascension. He, Prepare these humans. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah. Um, one it's of the a- things I did want to point out while we're talking about this, for real, yeah, is this is a this is a move that is aimed at potential. It is not a move that is going to immediately do anything, because as, as Liz and Joe have already pointed out, we're talking 18 months before it's even here. In the meantime, Activision will run exactly as it's mm-hmm. run now. Yes. The same people will be in charge for that period of time. And it is very unlikely they're going to want to do anything to rock the boat while this process is underway. Because from the perspective of the people who are running Activision Blizzard, this is a huge payday. As I pointed out, the most optimistic valuation of Activision Blizzard is that it has forty million $40 billion in total assets.
0: They're paying out $96 per share. That's massive. Yeah. Massive.
3: Yeah. So there's going to be very, very much... Um, Liz's argument about how they're just not going to talk is absolutely on the money because it is totally in their best interest to shut up and take the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's and a that's parachute for everybody involved. To, yeah. They're going to try and do exactly that. Microsoft is, is banking on what this does for what they were already doing. And and they're right to do so. Uh, this is one of the biggest game companies in the world. It, this is absolutely worth their time. But it is definitely a situation where they are paying a premium for it. So these I people wanna, are not going to talk.
0: I want to throw something in there real quick, too. Like, this also fits what w- Matt was talking about earlier and what we were talking about as well. They also just bought Battle.net. The Battle.net mm-hmm. team has put probably one of the most stable launchers that the gaming industry currently has.
3: Why do you think Activision keeps trying to jam stuff on it that has <laughs> nothing to do with it?
0: Look look at the Xbox app. Look at EA's app. Look at uh, Epic's, look Epic at Games Origin. App, look at look Origin. At look at all Amazon. that stuff. They're all garbage. I'm going to flat out say it. They, they're functional at some level. Battle.net is the most well put together user experience on the market, and they just bought it. Mm-hmm. Now they have access to the team that made that and have been making that amazing to go, "Hey, here's our other app. Can you go and help us figure out what we're doing wrong and make it better?" Like they they that's what they're paying for. This is a huge mm-hmm. win for them. Sorry, I have lots of feelings you know, and opinions on it.
3: Yeah, you're This is a situation where talking about all the stuff that could happen, it's almost too much. Yes. Like if you think about um I'm trying to think of when Velen was talking about, you know, trying to scry the future with the Legion and it's very hard because the Legion's so chaotic and destructive and that you have these, all these possibilities. It's like that. There's just <laughs> so many different ways this could shake out. If, if Microsoft uses these Zenimax slash obsidian formula that they've used so far, it just means that those companies will be making more games and making those games directly for Microsoft. If they decide, Ooh, we got to, this needs, we need to clean this up. It could be different I, I do think though one thing to point out, and so I think Liz was this you or Anna who pointed this out? Mike Ibara just came over from Microsoft mm-hmm, two years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: It wasn't me, but yeah, someone was talking his
3: his only his only
0: response today was a smiley face on his tweet. Did you see that? Yeah
3: <laughs> Mike Ibar is knows the people at Microsoft. He was big on Microsoft gaming.
0: he was big with with Spencer,
3: yeah, so I mean I'm not saying a conspiracy thing here I'm not because I who the heck I don't know nothing. <laughs> but I, I absolutely do think it's interesting to see this. Um, one of the people mentioned in the lawsuit, though, um, I can't remember his name, the their technical guy who was there for a while, actually came over to Blizzard from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So again, Microsoft isn't some bastion of purity. Don't, uh, don't Rod, go Rod the,
0: Ferguson went from Gears of War to D4.
3: Yeah, but no, but not him. He's not. He's somebody not pointed, somebody's suits.
0: Somebody's pointing that out in chat. I'm just bringing that up. It was like that's that's an interesting other like back and forth. Yeah. Sorry.
3: Rod Ferguson obviously had a lot of experience with Microsoft because he was making Gears of War, but he's not the person I'm talking about. He's not the the toxic person. Sure. I'm just pointing out that there's. This is not a situation where Microsoft is riding in to save us from, you know, the evil people who run Activision. This is definitely a case where there are connections between these companies already. So it will be interesting to watch how it all shakes. Do we have time for one more? We have as much time as you Uh, guys want. (laughs) uh,
1: Before we we drop this topic, I want to say something that I think is interesting. Go for it. Absolutely. When they announced this, you know, they put out a graphic, which is like Xbox plus Activision Blizzard King. And it has images from six games on it. Mm -hmm. Four of those games are Blizzard titles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting. It points to the value of these games. It points to the fact that Microsoft recognizes the value of these games. There is one Activision game listed on this graphic. And I mean, that points to the power of these Blizzard games, the power of these franchises, these games that I know all of us really love. And I think it says something good about what Microsoft wants to do here. Microsoft wants to follow through on these franchises and keep growing them. And another thing about this graphic I find really interesting is that StarCraft is on it. And yep. prominently, Blizzard, Yeah,
0: prominently. Yeah,
1: Blizzard has basically abandoned StarCraft. We haven't seen so any real development on the franchise in quite a while.
0: That's one of the things I'm possibly excited about. Is not, yeah, to, so, not just Starcraft, but also uh, Heroes of the Storm. Another, yeah, well, I am. Another don't game know. that's largely in maintenance I'm, mode. I'm not feeling
1: optimistic about Heroes of the Storm, but I am interested that Starcraft is prominently featured here mm-hmm. and featured just as prominently as Call of Duty because yeah. I always loved Starcraft. You know, we've been playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah.
3: As We've been a setting, world StarCraft of- is really So no, I absolutely, I agree. I'm trying to say how much I agree with you here. It's just, right. yeah, absolutely.
1: But back when World of Warcraft was released, I did not jump onto World of Warcraft on day one. I did not jump on at the beginning. And a big part of that was because I always liked StarCraft more than I liked WarCraft. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was really like, oh, I would totally play this if it were StarCraft. This is such a cool sci-fi world but it's just Warcraft which is i guess it's an okay fantasy thing and i mean i eventually obviously <laughs> got on board but i think StarCraft is a really interesting world that you could do a ton of stuff with and blizzard has walked away from that so i am eager to see what someone might do if they were really interested in reviving the property and if maybe it's not an activision style company which wants to make a yearly release which makes a ton of cash like if you gave blizzard the time to develop something cool and new for starcraft who knows what could happen maybe we could get some really awesome new games
0: you're you're when you're talking about this i just want to point out too that it's a perfect time for this as well especially with sci-fi in general sci-fi is making a huge comeback for what has been Largely a fantasy-dominated game environment for the last eh, probably fifteen years, give or take. Not yeah, seeing point something imp- out important, but no, yeah, no. go ahead.
3: Um, Ubisoft is currently making a open-world Avatar game, Avatar yep. the the David the James Cameron movie, and it's also making a open-world Star Wars game.
0: There's also going to be potentially an open-world um, Warhammer 40K game that's in development as well now too.
3: Now think about if you wanted to be in the field of making these big open world sci-fi masterpieces, like the your Starfields. Well, who owns the company making Starfield?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Microsoft.
3: And who did Microsoft just buy that has kind of a bit of experience of making big open world games? You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. There's there's a lot of potential in this. It's potential that this sale is about. It's not the actual value at the moment. It is what can we make of this? And it is very much the. It's not just Activision Blizzard and its game slate by itself, especially like, as Liz pointed out, Activision games like Spyro. I like Spyro, don't get me wrong. I like Skylanders, but come on. There's a reason when Activision bought Vivendi games that they didn't name it Activision Vivendi. Mm-hmm. They named it Activision Blizzard. Blizzard is not like an equal partner. So why did it get its name on the masthead? Because its name is bigger than Activision's and it has always been more people know about blizzard games and more people care about blizzard games. Unless we're talking pitfall. If, <laughs> if Activision is going to bring pitfall back, then Oh my God. Yes. But otherwise, no, uh, uh, but
0: you're, you're you're, you're, right on the money. You. you're, you're right on the money. You're right. You're right on the money. Honestly.
3: So yeah, um Liz is completely, you know, that's actually a piece I hadn't thought about until you said it. But yeah, mm-hmm. there are four Blizzard games out of six. There's yeah. Candy Crush, yeah. Call of Duty, and four Blizzard games.
0: And now and now imagine a world where those exist on a platform where you uh they can be presented where somebody doesn't have to pay sixty dollars to play a brand new version of that game because you're already paying for Game Pass and you already have it built in where yeah. they're already making the money for it as it is, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh do we want to do one more question though?
0: Uh that's up to you, boss.
3: Well I I
1: think this last uh, Patreon question is maybe an easy one.
3: Sure. Okay, go for it, since I think you're reading now.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Patreon supporter Felline. I'm sorry. I talk to you on Discord all the time, and I don't know how to pronounce your name. Um, What do we think the Microsoft acquisition will mean for those of us who have played a Blizzard games on non-Microsoft platforms? Overwatch was the first of their games not to be released on Mac OS, and no new games have been released on macOS since then. What is it going to do for games on PlayStation or Nintendo Switch for future releases? Um, I, I think we're very unlikely to see any new releases on macOS. Yeah. And that's, I don't think that's just because of the Microsoft acquisition. That's been the way they've just been heading. I do hope World of Warcraft stays there. We've had such a long history of Warcraft running on the Mac. So I hope that continues, but this is just wait and see, really.
3: I will say this, um, before Joe comes in with much more detailed stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff that is currently on other platforms is not going to just go away. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft bought Obsidian before the the Outer Worlds came out, but the Outer Worlds had already had, Obsidian had negotiated their contracts, and you'll notice the game still came out on PlayStation. It came out on Epic First, right? Yeah, yeah, exclusive. Epic and PlayStation, and that's not the only game from a company that Microsoft owns that's done that. Microsoft owns Arcane, mm-hmm. but they didn't put out their most recent game as a, as an Xbox exclusive, or a Microsoft exclusive, or anything like that, because again, Arcane had already signed the contracts. You don't get to violate the contracts just because you bought the company. This is something even Disney found out recently <laughs> when Disney bought. Uh, Lucas, they, they bought all their publishing rights and publishing entities and they decided, well, we don't have to pay royalties to Alan Dean Foster for his books on star Wars. And as many people pointed out, yes, you do. He had a contract. Mm -hmm. You owe him money. You bought that contract when you bought the company. It doesn't just go away because it's not convenient for you because you don't like to pay people. You still have to do that. They will still have to honor any contracts that Activision Blizzard has signed with any distri- you know, any place they're distributing the game to. That's my thing before Joe comes in and much more thoroughly answers this.
0: There are two key things that you need to keep in mind. One, Matt is absolutely correct, and he brought up exactly what I was going to bring up, is that the contracts that are already in place are going to be, they have to be honored. There's no choice in that whatsoever. But also, it's bad business not to put them there anyway. You want that reach. And one of the other things i talked about before is largely Microsoft has what appears to be a hands-off approach. These companies are still making deals and deciding what platform thing go on. And it's better for Microsoft to let them do that because at the end of the day, if it's on Switch, that's fine. That's more money that winds up going to that company. That ultimately means more money for Microsoft because if you look at all those games, a lot of them from those companies, yes, they're on Switch, but they're on PC. They're on Windows. They're getting their money anyway. They're getting it to begin with. Now, I don't think we're going to see anything shift with that. I think we're still going to see Diablo 4 release on every platform it possibly can. World of Warcraft will be where it's at. Uh, Nothing's going to get taken away. Now, on the other side of that, for those of you that have like a Mac OS, Microsoft acquiring them is also potentially a really good thing for you. And let me kind of explain why. One of the things Microsoft does as the tech giant that it is, and now these companies have access to potentially is the idea of a cloud environment. And when I mean cloud, I don't mean like the the crap they try to sell you for like storage and and stuff like that. I'm talking about like virtualization. I'm talking about virtual OSs and things that run in the background that essentially emulate the environment games need to run. Microsoft does this. They have an entire platform out there with their Azure base where they're already starting to look at things like this. They've been looking to do this for years. They're already starting to do this on the productivity side. It's not going to be long before we start seeing the game side start leveraging it. What this likely means is that you're going to wind up seeing games like Overwatch and like World of Warcraft maybe not be designed specifically for the Mac. Instead, if you have a Mac, you get an app that lets you get to a portal to start streaming that game or to have access to it through an emulation platform that essentially tells it that you're running on a Windows device. This is potentially very good for you. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. but The technology is there, and it is very likely that that is something we can see discussed in the future, especially as technology keeps increasing. And the idea of going back to what Matt said at the very, very beginning of this, if they're going to wind up being the Netflix of gaming you make it work on everything. And I mean everything. And Netflix works on everything. You can watch Netflix on a on a toaster. You can watch Netflix on, <laughs> on an internet connected uh refrigerator. I'm not joking about that. That is something you can literally do. It will run on everything. Now imagine if your games could do that too. And that's something we might see. Sorry. That's my two cents. This,
1: <laughs> this is just a world of possibility. Yeah. And that can be really exciting. We can think about all the great things that could happen, and that can also be really scary because mm-hmm. a world of possibility could be bad possibilities. It could be good possibilities. It's
3: the void. <laughs> yeah, and, and as but somebody no.
0: in chance pointed out, xCloud, which is the Xbox cloud gaming system service, is already available on Mac.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So you can play Windows I actually games on knew Mac. That. Yeah,
3: yeah. So there, there's a lot to this. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to tell you something that ends up ultimately being untrue. We don't know. And yeah, we don't know. I don't think Microsoft, Microsoft has never been the company that actually likes exclusivity. You'll notice that they never went for it before. And the only reason they're doing it now is to put it into game pass. The press release for this move mentioned game pass heavily. Mm -hmm. It talked about the 25 million users of game pass. It talked about all the value added to game pass for those users. They're not doing this to beat Sony. Just Sony getting beaten by it is just a side effect. This is not about Sony and their console exclusivity, because I think a lot of people have made the point already. The Xbox mm, being a console is almost a side effect at this point. Mm -hmm. Like the the goal here is to get their games everywhere. Um, I will also point out something that I remember from an old Penny Arcade strip that actually has always stuck with me. The original Xbox was essentially a Mac. Yep. It, it was to the point where the the first big game was by Bungie. You know, Bungie people forget this because Destiny and all that, but Bungie was the Marathon company. They were the big Apple gaming company. Marathons, oh, yeah. Marathons, yeah. a
0: game, not a marathon like what we just had with AGDQ. Yeah. Marathon is a game <laughs> series, folks.
3: Yeah, it was, and it was way back when before Halo. But it was like the shooter that made people believe Halo could exist. It's the <laughs> reason that Microsoft bought the company and threw money at them to make Halo. There's Microsoft has been the company that when Apple was about to die, it was Microsoft that bailed them out because for all their faults, Microsoft understands that a, a completely monotone world where every company is owned by the same thing might not actually be in your best interests. Who are we going to rip off of whose ideas are we going to (laughs) steal if, if Apple isn't here for us to do that to them?
0: You mean I have to do my own homework? No, no, never. I Absolutely.
3: So so there is, I hope that they, they at least support world of Warcraft on the Mac, but I would also hope in the future that I, things like Microsoft game pass and the, the X, I can't, I can't ever remember the Xbox application's name, but I hope they continue doing that. I want them to support other platforms and I want them to support Macs because Macs are really great companies. Quite frankly, I wish I could afford to own, um, but we're reaching a point of technology.
0: We're reaching a point. going to do the intro, but we're reaching a point of yeah. technology where it doesn't matter what you have. Everything is essentially ubiquitous as far as technology goes. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that, I've got
3: Netflix on my iPad, so why not eventually be able? To, I, in fact, I can play Xbox games on my iPad right now. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I have the Xbox app. I can do that. So, yeah. Why not?
0: And I can do it on my Android too. I have an Android tablet. Same thing. So. But folks, that's going to do it for today. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and it adds free site
3: experience. Uh, thank you, Joe. And uh, also thank you to Liz for being here for this really, we did not see this coming day. Um, <laughs> Thank you guys for, for being here with us. Uh, if you have a question for the show, again, you can send it to podcast at com, subject line podcast at blizzardwatch, or you can help our discord uh, channels, the Patreon Q and podcast questions channel for patrons and the Q questions channel for non patrons. Yeah, that was a thing that happened today. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, possibly Microsoft's acquisition of EA. I don't know at this point. <laughs> um, But thank you guys all for being here with us, and we'll be back next week.